Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and welcome to the next episode of The Tub Hub. My name is Corey Walter Malcolm, aka Bit Beefy, and if this is the first time you are listening to this podcast, I'm going to tell you what it's all about. This podcast is about exploring the word help in all its forms. Now, myself and my guests discuss when do we ask for help? How do we ask for help? Who do we ask for help? And how does helping make us feel? Now, because of what else has been happening in the world with regards to racism, George Floyd, protests, sexism, a lack of equality in a number of places in the world, we can't not talk about these things. Now, without further ado, I'm going to introduce you to my awesome, amazing guest and really good friend, Tom, a.k.a. Flowers. Tom, are you there? Hey, man. Thank you for such a lovely introduction. <laughs> <laughs> anytime, my friend. Anytime. Yes, man. So, Tom, I obviously know who you are. I know what you do for a job. And I know how we know each other. But would you be able to tell our beautiful listeners, firstly, how did we meet? <laughs> well, uh, we met through a beautiful Monday evening uh, running collective called Random Crew West, um, yeah. which, yeah, which used to spend time running around Paddington and Westminster and then on towards our wonderful um, evolution of that, which was Track Mafia, yeah. uh, which is a glorious thing to be a part of. And just, you know, wherever running takes us, to be honest. Um, we've seen some pretty amazing things in our, in our time running together. Yeah. Yes, we have. Um, <laughs> and when did you, what year did you first join um, RDC West? Ooh, I'd say it's got to be about 2013, possibly. 2013. It must have been, maybe, may, possibly, yeah, because maybe 2014. I just remember being sent there by someone from work. It was like... They just couldn't handle me talking about running anymore. So they were like, go and check out these people because <laughs> <laughs> they're boring us. So uh, I uh, found, found that little um, group that ran out of, yeah, out of the locker room and reception of Paddington Rec. Yeah. Awesome. And you said that, you, that someone at work told you about this. So what, what do you do? You've got a bunch of jobs. Please tell us. Yeah, I mean... Uh, I'm very lucky that like I, I work with uh, young people and children in all different like types of settings. So I can be a play worker uh, a few days a week, and then I do tutoring and teaching uh, wherever I find myself. Really, so sometimes that can be on like TV and film sets, and sometimes that can be kind of in classrooms, uh, like I've been doing recently. And um, yeah, and then I do play work on the side, which is. A wonderful job very like a very creative and a very uh spontaneous job that you work outside and you work with some wonderful children so a lot of the time i'm working in an inclusion project which <laughs> means that um i work with kids with a like vast range of disabilities um and we just kind of do i i don't i hesitate to call it like play therapy because uh -huh. it's more just like you literally are just kind of you start your day by having like finding out a little bit about the child that's going to be uh, booked in for that day and then you just mm -hmm. kind of step into their world and whatever they want to do you do so you can find yourself you know just riding around on a bike or going on a swing or like making up a comic book in real life or like just kicking a ball around playing in the mud like there's a whole a whole host of things it's endless an endless that's... infinite amount of things you can find yourself doing that's why it's such a wonderful job really and how long have you been working in that industry for tom how long i say industry how long have you been working in schools yeah. for i think i've been working like tutoring and teaching maybe for about four or five years now oh. and um that's been that's been something that uh has grown out of my kind of my my play work i'd say because i did that first i found myself mm. um in situations where I would be uh, having to work with kids that like, I'd never met before and mm -hmm. I had to know a little bit about 
um, from their schools and uh, uh, parents like what they enjoy and um, I'm given like a very like a curriculum uh, kind of outline of what they what they would need to do if they're out of school because if they if they're filming on a TV or a film they have to have a tutor on set Mm-hmm. so that um, there's someone to provide education if they're out of school for a certain amount of time. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, that's the role I do. And you kind of, you take what uh, ever information you can get and you just got to kind of like get them engaged very quickly in something mm-hmm. that would um, be deemed an educational activity. <laughs> I guess it's like the really really like professional way of saying it, but it's kind of like I, I'm able to make up lessons uh, as we go along uh, and try and stick to a topic that can be something they need to not miss and go back behind out of school. And you get to really kind of expand and play with the idea of how kids learn, which is a really beautiful thing to be able to kind of practice, considering I do play work as another job. They really kind of come together quite a bit sometimes. More so like the first time I realised it happening, I kind of thought to myself, wow, I didn't realise that my playwork could actually have that much of an impact on how I taught. That was yeah. really fascinating. And then mm-hmm. since uh, we've been in lockdown because of COVID-19, that that creativity has, 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 has I guess, grown even more. What else, like, you've combined I'm not even going to try and explain it. You tell me and everybody else. What, what else have you been doing, Tom? Well, I mean, because the, obviously some, some schools stayed open and kids went to school, but uh, as we were talking about before this, I was working in a school recently and I was asking them what happened and it's kind of like for some schools, the curriculum just kind of stopped. Um, and there was a real pause on a lot of children's education, whether that meant they couldn't... Um, catch up with that at home because there's so many other things going on at home like parents have to work and there's so many things a lot of kids might fall behind potentially because of that other kids uh, were at school but they can't necessarily pursue the curriculum as it was mm-hmm. so I kind of thought to myself that uh, if I look up some of the things that I know my strengths are in how I teach when I'm when I'm doing these small tutoring sessions that I find myself in I was like how can I take some of the stuff that I've done in those, like some of the games I've made up and some of the uh, just lessons that I've taught um, as the day's gone on by just getting to know that child. And I kind of went through all my old notes and all of my old resources of like torn up paper. Like it was a mess when I say, when I say (laughs) organising what I had. I've got this massive folder that I kind of pick stuff out of. And then when I looked at it, uh, I realised how rushed I was on my last time I packed that away and um, so I've basically been looking at how to show people how people learn which Mm -hmm. is like trying to kind of translate a lot of books that I've read about how we learn and how the brain works when we learn and stuff like that while also trying to make up kind of interesting lessons and uh, lessons about uh, historical people that would be I find personally in, in Incredible or fascinating that I'd never really heard of before, or like simple mass games that you can put together with uh, just a deck of cards, or like even a bit of torn up cardboard. So that you can make mass resources that can be like a four-player game within about five minutes with just some like an Amazon box and some scissors. And I kind of tried to just put those on the internet. If anyone had found them and found them helpful, then that's really really cool. But it's just kind of putting those things that. I've seen work in like small environments and just trying to make it so that they were accessible for other people to be able to do with um even with their like with their kids or their like nieces or nephews and stuff like that. But yeah, it's been it's been a really fascinating thing to do because it's you're not you're having to kind of just put together a lesson as you best think it might work and then hoping that maybe someone's going to get exactly what you're trying to do. But it's more based around the play element that I would do with a lot of the uh, young people that I'd work with in those small tutoring sessions on TV and film sets. Um, Now, have we, we, or not even have we, would we know any of the TV programmes or film sets that you've worked on, Tom? Uh, 
Uh, <laughs> uh, maybe I get like a little bit. Uh, I don't want to be like so showy offy. I mean, I mean, I work <laughs> on, showy yeah, offy. You're not being showy yeah, offy. Yeah, just uh, on um, Black Mirror. That was really. Oh fun. wow. Um, yeah, yeah, that was that was really cool. And then I worked on. I've worked on um, the Crown. Um, People just do nothing. Like an amazing TV, like TV show. So like uh, really, really small programs, then, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know those ones that you just like flip past, yeah. <laughs> uh, so yeah, many of these, boys, these, these many of these child actors that we're seeing on television, then you, you have helped to educate them in some way, shape, or form. Fantastic. Potentially, yeah. Like I remember one time I was, um, I was flying back from. Uh, I was flying back from a race, maybe. It might even have been when we came back from uh, Taiwan, when we ran oh, in Taiwan, which is... What, what a journey that was. We get to talk was. about that glory, glory. <laughs> oh, so beautiful, man. How lucky are we? Uh, <laughs> oh, um, uh, yeah, I remember like, flicking through the channels, and it just uh, I started watching a show that I was like, oh, I remember working on that show, and I saw, like, all of the kids that I worked with were just in one scene. I was like, oh, wow, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> I was like a whole classroom I had one time because there they were on the on the telly and it all looking really, really good. And then I remembered what the classroom was like. I kind of, <laughs> <laughs> I built it up out of, like I built it up out of, you know, those, um, you know, you used to get those Velcro walls where you'd stick work up on. I was yes. given like a space at the back of a community center and some of those and I had to like build a little classroom and have tables. And I remember, yeah, having a like, play center slash educational facility all in one <laughs> center educational facility that might be what we might call this we shall yeah, see yeah. yeah i need to get but, like a boiler suit to wear with that with the name <laughs> my next question tom is do you ask for help like you've spoken about all of these wonderful things that you do like but do you ever ask for help or do you do it on your child i mean i I obviously I'm always asked for help. I couldn't do most of the stuff. Like most of the stuff that I learned about to teach has come through help, like asking for help in some way. Uh, but I'm usually one of I'm one of those people that's like I will get as far as I can on my own mm. before kind of eventually hashing it up or something and then having to ask <laughs> for help and undo some of the bad work that I've done. But I, yeah, I, I ask for help all the time. I mean especially working with children that have like all of the different uh disabilities that they have or like kind of the vulnerabilities they have sometimes you just you you quite literally couldn't do the job to uh give them the best day possible without asking for help because you got you got to know the ins and outs of how their morning was compared to yesterday or like how you like you ask like someone else you're working with what they what they've done with them and you ask them to like uh, help uh, little kind of bits of advice about what the child enjoyed or what they were enjoying that day and so yeah you're con like you the whole practice is based around asking for help a lot of the time um so of course it's, it's something that i think is part of just my practice because even when i'm working with the kids that i'm tutoring mm -hmm. uh one of the first things i'll do is say to them that you know these are you're here to uh, like learn as much as you can while we can, mm. but also to make sure that it's an enjoyable place for you. So I ask them like what they enjoy, what their interests are, and um, I ask them to help me make the tutoring sessions as kind of fun as possible, so that they oh. don't get they don't get bored by thinking, oh no, I've got to go see that guy again. Oh, <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> I want them to have like at least want to come come into the room, and that seems to work quite a lot because I think they uh especially like the older kind of the teenagers that i would work with or the young people i think they appreciate the fact that someone may be taking an interest in what they might actually want to learn about so yeah i think, I, think i'm always asking them do you think that's quite important when it comes down to to learning like tom finding finding out how it is that people learn yeah, oh man, I well personally I find it fascinating, but I think it's 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 such a it's such a almost like it's almost like a skill that you have to 
understand like I know there's the word I think it's I think there is teacher (laughs) (laughs) I think the word I think it's pedagogy which is kind of like the skill of working with young people and something along those lines and to to understand how uh, someone takes like new information on is so important just to be able to show them that failing isn't necessarily a bad thing it's like a really almost like yeah like it's a it's the most natural process there could be in learning a new skill like i think we we can't like catastrophize when something goes wrong if you're learning a new thing and especially within like a learning environment your brain will if you have had some sort of even like minor bad experience, your amygdala will fire off and then that will mm. block any new information for kind of soaking into the other parts of your brain. It blocks those pathways that are being built up between certain neurons that is the basis of how we learn. And then, so you have to kind of understand that an environment that allows the like physicality of your brain to join information and build these strands of myelin that help information work across your brain like this huge network is yeah that was like when i found that i remember when i read that i was like oh man it's all of the it's all of the magic bridges that are built yeah. and made and then solidified or broken like i i was i can't remember how i consumed this information i either read it or i saw it on some kind of documentary and that is that a large majority of what we as people define as memories aren't actually real memories. They are these memories, these fake memories that we have created or curated through a combination of all of the like rememberings <laughs> that we have. And for those of you listening, I'm fully aware that rememberings is not a word, but I've just thrown it in there. I've just I thrown it in there. I didn't pick up on it. <laughs> just just for the sake that. of it. Because, like everyone, apparently, um, I'd love to speak to like a neuroscientist or a psychologist. Mm. I'd love to to find out how much truth is in this. So, if anyone's listening and you want to be on the show, holla. Um, but yeah, I found it really, really interesting because what it's saying is, is that a large majority of the things that we remember didn't actually happen how we remember them. We we remember them kind of in a way that we want to which is why if you speak to lots of like different individuals who were at the same place 10 years after the fact they all remember something completely different because they've all like sprinkled their own special sauce on their Mm -hmm. story so that's why it starts off with yeah yeah, it was five kilograms that i lifted and then the following year it's been bumped up to six the following year seven following year ten by the time that story's <laughs> gone around for 20 years, you were the lifting champion because, yeah. because that's what your brain remembers. Ah, that's see that so so ah uh, see when when I get a bit of information like thank you so much, that like fires <laughs> off like that parachute style thinking where like uh like a network just starts appearing in this huge thing in my in yeah. my brain where it's like so then one of you like when i was talking about the emotive part of learning and the response you have emotively if you remember something fondly from mm. school say that yeah. means you, you you've probably got a like an almost better chance of rem- remembering that thing with a little more clarity if it, like or if it's like a skill you're going to have mm. a way fond you're going to have a fond uh, association with that time and that memory therefore it might be easier to access Yes. Uh, Does that make sense? Yeah, 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 that makes perfect sense. And that's really what I find very interesting about that is I do remember where I watched this. Me and Jules were watching a documentary and it was basically about these people who have these amazing memories. And it was talking about how they remember things. And like just a simple, like, uh, a simple page of copy that they have to remember. And when they spoke to these really smart people they told us or should i say they told the other really really smart people that how they remember it is they just make a story out of it so it's like Mm. oh 
I'm like that cone because cone is C. I remember that as a car. So this whole journey <laughs> is about a car that is like driving to the store yep. and then everything else that they have to remember. And then when you speak to like musicians or rappers or artists of any kind, they all have their own like special way of remembering things. Mm. Like I think about, about phone numbers. Like I remember my phone number from the beginning and I remember it in a particular sequence or a particular order, but the moment someone repeats that sequence differently or like ask me what the last four numbers are, I'm completely thrown because that's mm -hmm. not how I remember it. I remember the sequence. Mm -hmm. I remember the sequence. I don't yeah, remember yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, the rhythm that you said it in. Like, you know, when yes. you say your phone number with a rhythm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. Um, mm. So, yeah. Um, so that's like... That's so fascinating because when I think about, um, I remember working with a, uh, a small group of kids on a show once, there was like four, maybe four of them. And just they're, like they're all roughly the same age. So we kind of started looking at the same topics. Um, but for each of them, um, I worked with them for quite a long time. It was like three or four weeks in the end, which is a really good time to like properly do a mini curriculum, say. I remember we were working on something that was very similar with all but each of them took their own approach to what was the lesson and taught yeah. what like we like we worked in kind of small individual conversations and then then working with each other just working uh going through the lessons and all of the things they uh were learning about exactly how they wanted so they were putting it through like even if they're doing it in their own kind of um, vernacular is that the right word where you use yeah, yeah, yeah. kind of yes got that word right so uh, they were used, like they would just be teaching themselves through whether it was poetry or whether it was them acting it out or whether it was them drawing it or whether it was them like really playing with the idea or like building something out of um, uh, like bits of paper and stuff like that they were like they they all had their own approach but it meant that they very much didn't lose the idea come the next week and we're like oh should we do that thing again and they, they picked up exactly where they'd left off because they'd all they had almost taught themselves which is like one of those remarkable things that happens when you like through play i always i always yeah. think just like the two worlds that i've existed in like it's play that seems to do that because you've got a fondness of uh, the activity you're doing and you're also completely oblivious to the idea of like micro failures happening because the failures yeah. are just like you testing an idea and they're just learnings they're just learnings man yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then it's no big deal <laughs> that's the name of this episode of the podcast please remember that tom they're just learnings they're just learnings <laughs> yeah um so tom do do people ask you for help like we've spoken about you asking for help do people ask you for help uh I mean, I, I guess, I guess they do. It's like I said again. Like I've been working in the kind of places I've worked in for quite a while. So there's often people will ask for my experience about uh, maybe like a certain child, um, like their like their personality, what they enjoy. There's all of those kind of things. But also, like I think that. I, I, I always think of track whenever I think of help uh, mm. a lot of the time because I think it's such a such an amazing space to afford um, people like uh, individual coaching as they're just running past and yeah. I've had a few people at track before just by virtue of being there and running around they they've asked me for certain I, uh, ideas about what their training might be like or like what they can do like when they're, what their form is or just all of those things, just based on the things that I would just say naturally coming out of my mouth mm -hmm. that might even necessarily be, it's just me making an observation. Yeah. And I think that like when, well, when you get, when you get um, that, there's like a level of confidence in what you're saying. People naturally want to ask for help. Mm -hmm. uh, but then there's also, you know, just, the minor day-to-day -day things is like how do you fix a bike wheel i guess yeah i know but it's, it's like I, I have all of these i seem to have accumulated this like all of these mini little skills just purely because i've i've cycled absolutely everywhere for the last decade so i've had to teach myself how to make sure i know how to keep a bike going but that means that you know when someone's bike uh kind of 
messes up, I might have a little bit of, to be able to help about that. So I feel you like, what, yeah. Tom, we have known each other, as you said, since maybe 2013 or so. And I got yeah. a puncture yesterday. At no point did I think, let me phone Tom. But now, <laughs> now you've let me know that you can assist in yeah, situations yeah. such as these. Because don't get me wrong, I do know how to change a puncture. Like the whole like undoing wheels and uh, yeah, no, taking no. off tires and inner tubes. I phoned yeah. shout out to SE Twenty Cycle, um, fellow black business. I, uh, I I I phoned him yesterday. And I was like, dude, hi, and he was like, hello. Who am I speaking to? I was like, I'm not sure if you remember me. It's Corey. He was like, of course I remember. How are you? How's it, Janelli? <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, dude, I was like, can I book in for a puncture? And he was like, I'm fully booked today, but if you want to pass by, I can throw it on really, really quickly. And I was like, okay, how much is that? And he was like, oh, if all you need is the, the what's it called, the inner tube, it's 14 quid. But if your tire is busted, it will cost you more. And then I thought to myself, 14 quid. Of course I'd pay 14 quid. Mm-hmm. Like to pay fourteen pounds to remove that from myself and to support yes. another business—that's yes. worth fourteen quid. But mm-hmm. I should also know just how to, like, I know how to do it, but I have to think about it. If that makes sense, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah. Um, and then, and, yeah. <laughs> and I think <laughs> there are there are a certain set of skills that I have that you know I use very well. Like, for instance, this, lying in a bath. I do this very, very well. I'm very That's good at other things. And many, <laughs> many other things. <laughs> but tyres, I'm, I'm not. That's not my area of expertise. Um, now, Yeah, Tom, I mean, it wasn't mine until I had to, it had to be. <laughs> when did you start, though? When did you start, uh, I guess, when did you become the bike guy? I mean, I think... Because I would never buy new, I've never, I, I, I've, since I was, I mean, I think I remember getting a new bike when I was a kid, but mm-hmm. since then, all my bikes have been secondhand off eBay. So, like, mm-hmm. I mean, like, that goes as far back as getting a train out to the middle of nowhere to pick up a BMX and just bring it home <laughs> and then taking it apart uh, and putting it back together again. And then uh, I remember I built a bike once mm-hmm. uh, that I cycled, managed to cycle to Paris without falling apart, which was quite cool. You and cycled then, to Paris. Yeah, that was really amazing. Yeah, I was very lucky to do that. Saw some, saw, do you know, just as a side, side plot quickly, there was a, like, I'm, I still find this memory so nuts. Like me and uh, my dear friend Liz, who I've known since I was like, y- like young, and uh, we were cycling on one particular route and we cycled through uh, the village where Monet was from. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know his there's that famous painting of the bridge with the lilies and the pond and all of that stuff. But yes. So we were in the village that uh, he lived in. And he's got like a museum there and then he's got that actual garden. It's all like fenced off. And um, it's in this beautiful kind of hill, like, I think it's all like a hill back little village. It's proper beautiful. Mm-hmm. And um, of course, like the time we did it, it was a bank holiday. So the whole time we were cycling, nothing was open. So if something was open, we had to pick up supplies there because nothing else was open. And we didn't know whenever anything else would be open again. But so we, we really wanted to go into the garden, just have a look at it, because mm. Liz loves that painting. And so when we found, when we inevitably found that the whole place was shut, we kind of <laughs> ran up in the fence and like just jumped up like two little kids and we're just like peering over being like, oh wow, look, there it is. And I walked along the fence a little bit and there was a gate and I remember like I, I remember just like pushing the gate with a finger and no word of a lie like a film the whole thing just opened mm. and there was no one in there the gate opened and I kind of just turned around um and shouted to Liz I was like now or never man like let's just, let's just drive in here and see what happens so we kind of like we, we went in shut the gate behind us and we had the entire place to ourselves there's no one else in there so we got to sit like on the little bench where he did that painting and we just kind of sat there and was and we're like this is pretty wild. That's pretty We're just cool. there on our own. So, yeah, very lucky. But yeah, and so when was that? Oh, that was a few years ago. Maybe like four years ago, I think. 
And so you obviously do a lot of cycling, Tom. How much do you reckon you cycle a day? Uh, I mean, it's, it's, it's genuinely the only way I get around. So say I've got, I mean, say I've got track and work and then getting home again is probably maybe like 20 odd miles, possibly. Fantastic. So 20 know, miles a day. It. 20 miles a day. So on average, you cycle, because you obviously cycle on weekends as well. Do you reckon you cycle more or less? Uh, I mean, I just cycle to get absolutely everywhere. So, <laughs> like, if, if it's like this, like the school I've been volunteering at is like an hour and a bit cycle. But I just, I just do That's that. Because, yeah, I just enjoy, I enjoy cycling, and it's a really good offset from running. I find. Yes. And how much running? So, do you run every day as well, Tom? Uh, yeah. I don't know anyone that. Anyone that knows me listening to this will know that I run a lot. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I tend to, I try to run every day just because it's the most wonderful, wonderful thing to do. And it really is a joy. Does running help your headspace? I mean, undoubtedly. It's got undoubtedly, because the time the time you get to yourself running, I mean, I can go so deep when I start thinking about it, but the time <laughs> you get to spend on your, when it's just kind of, I love running with people and those runs where you're with a big, big group of people, a small group of people, and you're just kind of like gliding through the pack and chatting and all of that stuff. And then there's also those times you get to have where it is a form of like beautiful meditation where you're just on your own and you can find a rhythm where you like, just can just go and just run wherever you feel like, whatever pace you want to do, look at whatever you want to look at. Yes, I try and I try and get in. I mean, I run for performance as much as I do for uh, the kind of spiritual element of it and the way that it can clarity. Yeah, I try and I, I'm, my, my life's goal is to bring the both together into like a beautiful unison. But it's, it's yeah, it's something that is... Uh, it's a craft and a skill that I've just so happened to really, really enjoy uh, doing and kind of working out and always, you'd always come up with some sort of uh, resolution, whether that's big or small. I always find that like at the end of the run, you always come up with, you might have forgotten it by the time you get home, but at some point in the run, you might have been like, oh, wow, there you go. <laughs> However long that existed for, it existed for. And has running always helped you? Has running always given you answers? Or is it something that you kind of stumbled upon as time passed? I think, uh, I mean, it's, yeah, it's something that I definitely felt almost grow as I went a bit deeper into all of the different elements that you can have with it you know mm. it's an expression as much of like ability uh, mm. as it is freedom as it is creativity as it is uh as it is just like a bit of kind of meditation so your your um oh, what's, what am i trying to say like it's it's definitely something that uplifts my day regard like it would uplift my mood it would uplift everything about my day if i've kind of put in something at the beginning where i've yeah. been able to um, understand like how my body works or how my mind might work in a certain situation yeah i don't know if i answered that question properly no dude like, you did. Was, <laughs> yeah yeah what was what was the question again because my i, mean, I really um. No, that was that was that was a wonderful answer. No, you know, I, I don't know, I don't know about you, uh, you, but I know that we sometimes we can chat about how running is one of the greatest creative things you can do. The what, like the way that it can make your brain start joining ideas that you would never have seen been able to come together is mm. is such a it's such a gift, and like that comes from just finding finding a rhythm that you enjoy running at and then uh taking that time to yourself to kind of let that happen 
and let those because running is also like it's the hardest thing in the world man like yeah. regardless of context like sometimes when <laughs> i'm doing these like when i'm doing these sessions that i've just diy to myself and i'm like what are you doing like why are you even doing this it's raining and you're kind of running through puddles or uh, up a muddy up a muddy hill or stuff like that but then the same context of me pushing myself to try and just run a bit faster up a hill is the same. Like one of the beautiful things that happened during lockdown is that my brother's really kind of enjoyed uh, going for runs and like he's understanding like how he can, um, how it helps his uh, mind as much mm -hmm. as it does just kind of just running freely or like running for a certain amount of time. And yeah, I know that, I know that we're lucky to have been able to find that within our, within the bandwidth of what we, like how we run, I suppose. Um, now, Tom, this is, this is a, a question. You can, you can choose to answer it or not. However, um, I had this discussion with Pete when we recorded his podcast. Um, and the question is, like, you spoke, or should I say, we spoke about when you ask for help. And we spoke about asking for help from a business perspective, like at work. But obviously, you don't have to go into details. <laughs> but <laughs> is, is, is you asking for help at work for work problems different to you asking for help for Tom in his personal life? As in like... Do you find it as easy to, to ask someone for help if you have a, a personal problem instead of being at work and like needing some help for something work related? As in, are those two completely different types of help? Mm -hmm. Oh, rubbish out here. <laughs> 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 oh, man, like, I, I do it, but I'm, I'm used to that. I, like, I can sometimes even picture like I kind of step outside myself and I'm like, you look like an eight year old child asking for help. What are you doing? Like I even, like it's just in the tone of my voice sometimes. Like I'm rubbish at it, but I try, I try because it's something that um, is important. Like you build, you build relationships through asking for help, uh, yeah. whether that's with like loved ones or people you adore or just like your neighbours or like your community, you kind of, things don't get built unless you're asking and you're comfortable with asking for help. So I have to, I have to kind of try and teach that to myself all the time that you're like asking for help will, will hopefully build, bring about something way bigger and better than the, like the thing that you're trying to even ask for help for. So yeah, I ask, I try, I, I try all the time. I, I try when I, when I'm, yeah, when I'm at a loss for something, I will, I will try and find someone that is uh, going to put me in the right direction. Like, you're someone that does that for me incredibly. Like, Manny, our dear friend Manny is someone that helps me endlessly. Like, uh, my wonderful, wonderful partner helps me, like, uh, with my, yeah, with my creativity and uh, um, with, like, uh, my artwork and stuff like that as many as as well as like so many other things and so let's talk about uh, your art dude you haven't mentioned your art <laughs> yeah sometimes I, I just like sometimes i'll just do sketches of my friends and when i catch like a really when i catch like a really good moment uh that one of my friends has done i always think to myself i want to try and uh create something that's like a little bit personal for them so uh from that so i mean there was a you created one of my amazing logos dude oh man i still love it size big up viber size like i remember i remember i remember thinking to myself like there was two pictures of you that i, re I really loved one was when you were crossing the finish line at the london marathon and wow. uh the other <laughs> one is you and the other one is you jumping and i remember thinking like that that i had this certain style of uh, like drawing that I stumbled across just through um, just fiddling around with an, an app on my uh, like a drawing app and um, it just happened to be like oh that looks cool and then I kind of replicated that and, or when I see like people that like like Ronaldinho say when I see people that 
growing up, I used to admire. I kind of want to try and draw that to try and get there, try and like put a little bit of my own uh, take on that movement that they're doing. Because I think that movement's such a beautiful thing. I think that's one of the reasons why like running is so artistic because there's a rhythm, no matter what your style of how you run, because you've all got that unique style. Uh, yeah, we've, we've, got, we've all got our own bounce. Yeah, yeah, like, there's, like I noticed my one today again where I'm like, are oh, you doing that thing with your wrist? Um, <laughs> staring in the uh, pot. Yeah, staring in the pot. And, um, but I think like that kind of helps inform my, how I do these kind of drawings because I love capturing like the moment that someone's about to do something. So you remember like the flip flap that Ronaldinho used to do? Yes. Ah, oh, man, that guy. I was watching, I spent half an hour today watching videos about him just because, and um, but like that moment just before he cuts the ball, I'm like, that's such an, such an incredible moment of genius, like that I want to capture it as he's doing it. So I tried to find the perfect picture and I had to mold a few different ones together to kind of get the sketch that I wanted. Brilliant. So, yeah. Yeah, I get help. Awesome. So then, yeah, I mean, I wouldn't be able to do all of those things if I didn't ask someone at some point, like, how do I use this? Or, uh, how, like, where can I, what, what, like, how do I, even how do I draw it and use it? Or how do I use the thing that I've made? Or where, like, how can I get it to, like, how do I get it on a t shirt? I have no idea how to get things on t shirts. So I had to ask people, and uh, it's slowly, it, I'm slowly realizing how how like insignificant it should be to ask for help because uh, it's something that I think people naturally have in them to want to do for other people and they maybe get, because of many, many different reasons, they get distracted from that path of kind of empathetic thought. That means that when someone's asking you for help, you just think, oh yeah, what do you like, how, how can I help? And if, if my skills can't, maybe I know someone else that can or like, if, if, if I can help right now, I will, but like, if, if it isn't something that I can do, I'll try and find someone else that can, and then we can kind of move on our way. I mean, it's something naturally we have in us. And do you think that the act of helping others or the act of being helped has a positive effect on your mental well-being, Tom? Yeah, I think in terms of chipping away at like pride and ego, it definitely helps with your your the mental space that you can find yourself in once you realise like oh that wasn't that much of a deal you idiot. What a great answer! <laughs> you feel like such a mug when you realise like oh it was just a, like, just WhatsApping someone. And yeah. Then, like genuinely, genuinely, there's been some ideas that I've sat on that uh, I've offered, I like, I've texted a friend of mine uh, and within a very short space of time, something else that I didn't even predict would happen has happened. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, well done you. Look how long it took for something beautiful to happen and look how long it took you to do it. So like, it's that thing of like, that was your that was something in you with ego pride or whatever that was stopping you doing that so it's kind of yeah like a process of getting rid of that i suppose trying better like approach how to like help other people because then you learn like oh they did it without a thing and without even without a second thought obviously because they're your friend or they're someone that wants to see something exist in the world or or whatever um, now, just uh, a lot, a last few questions for you, Tom. Um, you've obviously seen what has been going on over the past couple of weeks, past couple of months, and obviously the past few centuries. Um, what do you think about what is going on in the world at the moment, post post protests, like post George Floyd, but still racism lives. I mean, it's to, talking like it's it's a it's a mess, you know. Like talking from a the perspective of being uh, like a white person living in Britain and having kind of been educated in our education system and then mm-hmm. having read around 
the history that we're not necessarily given any access to through our mm-hmm. through this that education system like you understand that this the 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 state we exist in uh right now and like the land and the city and all of the things around us were built upon like the justification of racism and when you start really kind of looking at all of the threads and the, the of where things lead back to it's it's almost like you you can't escape the fact that um something like racism exists uh to maintain a power structure uh that has been like dominating just the, the last of uh, human history definitely the last like 400 years because it's 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 yeah it's something that is has been a continual battle mm-hmm. like that's what we like i i i feel i feel so like really education is so important in this particular um in in this particular time because what what is um what is happening is we're denying the the history that has created the today that we're in and we're not teaching about the fact that i say the fact that like the there has been constant 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 pushbacks to this um to racism for the moment it was kind of used as a way to justify exploitation and um, like horrible practices of shipping people all over the world and taking resources so yeah it's um, something that has been something that needs needs to be developed within uh, our society that we are able to have conversations about how it came to be I feel like listening is a it's like it's an empathetic skill and um I hope, like but obviously it's a complete like cobweb of millions of different things that need to happen I can't like come up with one answer uh, that would like that could end it all like Lord of the Rings or something but it's more a case of like if there's if if your particular skill that you have um, uh, can be used in a way that can help chip away at this kind of horrendous dynasty of racism that exists, especially in this country. Like, um, you will probably find that by listening to where and what the problems are, I feel like. And then if your skill can help just... uh, like and yeah use it man like i don't i i don't have i yeah i think that's the answer mate racism is dynastic use your skills to end it (laughs) as best you can because it's (laughs) yeah we're 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 all small axes man we can because things can like dear god things can happen quickly and we all hope that they do, because especially with the way that we ignore ignore what the history of it is in schools and the way that we frame certain stories, I think even coming to the realization of uh, how we came to today, um, like there's amazing organizations that do this, like the Black Curriculum. They're incredible. Like they've got podcasts and they they're, yeah. they're doing they're doing amazing work where just building your own one that, that like the before we go tom um do you have a question for me some people like to ask me one question we can't uh, we can't we can't give people too many um oh you put me on the spot here no, that, what no is... so that's why i do it because most people panic and haven't got a question oh sick all right it's <laughs> going to be like quite a standard one but i think that with your catalogue of memories that you will remember uh what is the most beautiful experience that you've had running the most beautiful experience that i've had running yeah not um, necessarily like a place or something you've seen but like a thing of like oh man this thing is the most beautiful experience is it's a weird one because it's not actually that pretty 
as in the most beautiful experience was, I guess, the first time I explored running Nirvana. I sound like a complete twerp saying that. <laughs> but when I say exploring running Nirvana, as in like when people talk about the runner's high, like you mm -hmm. read um, about it in books, you, you, you hear people talk about it you see pictures, you see videos, and everyone's talking about runner's eye, runner's eye. Mm -hmm. And in the beginning, you kind of wander off, like in search of this runner's high. You're like, so where's this thing then? They told me it was gonna kick in at this point. And mm. you're, like, you're looking at your watch and you're like, so where is it then? But because no one can actually explain it properly, you're looking for the wrong thing. Mm. And I guess the most beautiful moment was probably the first time I arrived at this, this beautiful running Nirvana spot where everything is in time, everything mm -hmm. is going beautifully, and it just feels like you're floating along in this pod of awesomeness where everything mm. can touch you, everything is beautiful, your breathing is perfect, your arms are, are, are driving perfectly, your knees are, are, are driving perfectly, you're, you're landing perfectly on your forefoot, mm -hmm. the birds are singing, it's hammering it down with rain. Yeah. And, yeah. It, and it just seems like everything is happening in slow-mo. And it actually reminded me of this part in a movie with Jet Li, I think it's called a Hero, where they're fighting, um, but because they're fighting at such a pace, it then seems like the rain is in slow-mo. And it reminded me of that scene there, because I was just running along, just floating in this beautiful space. And I don't know how long it lasted for, I don't know how long I was off like with the theories, but it was just amazing. And mm. I always remember like those like two moments. I remember the first time I landed or arrived in, <laughs> in running Nirvana. And mm -hmm. I remember the first time that I realized that running was giving me more than just miles. Um, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So like I, I talk about those two moments a lot to myself because like you no one can tell you like where you will find out or whether you will find it or if you ever will but i remember that moment that i found it i was like oh wow this this is this is what people talk about this is different <laughs> but this is mm -hmm. and, and i always like i don't search for it but you kind of know when like something special is going to happen like I remember another time it happened, um, I was absolutely pantsing myself. I was, it was when we were doing the speed project, must have been about two o'clock in the morning um, and we were running, we, I don't think we got to Death Valley yet. We were actually in Breaking wow. Bad territory. Wow. Um, yeah, <laughs> like we were running through Sketchville, <laughs> like mm -hmm. full blown yeah. Sketchville. But it was so hot, and you know I don't run topless. I, I, don't, mm -hmm. I don't really do no clothes. <laughs> so I'm running <laughs> along. Did a podcast. <laughs> yeah, yeah, apart from the podcast. <laughs> like, I'm running along, um, and my teammates are behind me um, in this car. And I remember they put the low beam on, and I turned around, and I was like, put that high beam back on. Put the high beam back yeah. on. Because like, I could hear coyotes. I, like there had already been talk of people being attacked <laughs> by, <laughs> by something that we didn't know what. So I'm like, listen, there are, there, are, there are people out here who don't want to see me running and there are also animals that don't want to see me running. But then after about five minutes, I just got into this rhythm because it was near on complete silence. It was so eerie. And all I could hear was my my breathing and my feet hitting the floor so it was just mm. it was like something out of a movie just tap tap mm -hmm. tap tap and then because i was running at the pace that i was running at it wasn't it wasn't fast it wasn't slow but it was then like the car was creeping behind me so you could barely hear the engine all you could hear was just like the the, the what's it called the wheels going over like the grip so mm -hmm. it was crunching noise, and then me just going, 
and just tap, tap, tap. And, and it was so therapeutic. And I just ran and I just went off onto this zone. I was in so much pain because we were running from LA to Vegas. Like it wasn't a small run. Um, <laughs> Cash. Yeah. And it was like, I remember like finding it there and it was, yeah, it was beautiful. It was beautiful. Um, it's an amazing thing, man. Like it's just, it's like they can't help when you when when you so eloquently describe an experience like that, I can't I can't see how it's not just such a like I was having this thought yesterday when I went on a run, yeah, where I was mm. like there can't be any other way to describe certain runs than anything other than meditation. And like yeah. I feel like it's been framed in this way of like it is it, I'm like, here's the white guy telling people how to meditate territory, but like <laughs> But like, I, I feel like just the different forms of how you can get your mind into a place, whether that's yeah. through movement or sitting, or I know people that go into a trance-like state when they're cooking because it's something yeah. that just aligns their mind and their body into one thing that they do, and they do it without without having to engage too much of like the rest of their brain. So it allows it kicks off the side doors of your brain and allows it to just go wild. Yeah. And I feel like that's, that's, I've had that like once maybe through meditation, like, mm -hmm. like once. And, but with running, I find that it happens just purely because of that thing of if you can just hear your breathing and your footsteps, yeah. that's very similar to just hearing your breathing and your heart, mm -hmm. which you might be having when you're sitting still in complete silence. And then like you have these, like this sense you can sometimes have like a sensory shutdown where it is just you and this vehicle that seems to be pushing you through time and space and then you don't even know where you are at that point especially if it's like yeah. in the death valley you're probably in the dark so are you actually running Paul? are we actually <laughs> <laughs> because what's hilarious is i remember reading i can't remember the name of dean carnese's book um and for people who um, who aren't really into running but are listening to this podcast thank you very much for listening but please do google like Dean Carnese he is a ultra runner uh, from America I believe a very serious ultra runner he's accomplished some stuff um, and I remember reading his book years and years and years ago and I remember him speaking about just disappearing completely off on a run like falling asleep because of either fatigue or just meditation. He, he just went off um, in his mind on a run and kind of woke up and he didn't know how long he was either asleep or meditating for on this run, but he was woken up because he had veered off and was running in the middle of the road and a car coming towards him was bibbing. And wow, what woke him up either out of his sleep or his trance was the sound of the horn. <laughs> just reality existing yeah, around just, him. <laughs> just reality. Now, when you think about that, how can your mind be in a place whereby it can keep going, but you lose, like, not consciousness, but yeah, like, how can that happen? How can your body just go by itself and you disappear, like, mentally? Um, I mean, do you know what? I was actually listening to a, a podcast about this recently, where it was like they were talking about this idea of certain things that you do can mm. place you into uh, this is this is going off now, but it's like place you in a realm where where it's like this isn't this isn't like the physical like the physical place that you're in. You're on a different like almost in like a different part of the ether where um, you uh, you're like you've broken down the idea of like the body being around you and the space being around you and the air and all of that stuff and your mind's been able to be part of something that's bigger and connected to a bigger thing or like, reality yeah well just yeah just some some different level of kind of uh maybe creativity or consciousness or something like that because like whether it's like it's like a dialogue with a with a different part of uh, the kind of lived experience where that like, whether that's you know whether that's like disappearing when you're going running or whether it is just kind of like when you're, I don't know, just walk, like walking around and looking at the sky or even just maybe sitting down writing something. Like there's so many things where 
like creativity is so like the spontaneity of creativity is what I feel like our brains really uh, fire off at. So like when I'm so like so that 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 environment that you're in when you're running in like proper nature, whether that's like mm-hmm. a desert that's like that, or whether it's just like winding trails and tree lines that you think oh that might be a trail i'll just follow it like that (laughs) ability to kind of just navigate uh wherever you want to go must uh your like your brain must just kind of relax so much at the idea of like oh your body's got this you're at a rhythm where you're just finding your breathing and your footsteps or your uh your brain can just let go of all of those things like oh the body's got that now we don't need to worry about that we can go and like maybe have a conversation with the creative space that exists like some sort of wonderful cloud that passes around all of us and how we get all our ideas and stuff and we find yeah i mean that's just that might sound you know, have... for some people <laughs> no, because i have i have one question and then we're going to close and that yeah. is like we can talk about this on another podcast or when we meet but mm-hmm. i wonder how much of the brain we actually use. I know, man. When you think about, think about what it is. Not much, man. The heavy isn't it one of the heaviest things in our body. (laughs) I'm not sure, but we're gonna find out. (laughs) Yeah, that's a Google. Once I've got out of the bath, I'm googling that. But say it's the heaviest thing in our body. Like, there's got to be way more going on up there than we realise. Like what can right. think of the things that people have come up with out of nowhere, like absolutely out of nowhere. They've just been like, "Oh, that might work," and then suddenly you've it's got, yeah, you've got a thing that changes the world. Just where does it? Yeah, that comes from some someone's brain that they've tapped into a little area that isn't no one else has ever been. And on that note, we shall close. <laughs> Everyone listening, thank you very much for tuning in, Tom. Thank you for being an awesome, amazing friend, ally, and guest. Oh, bless you, man. Thank you for putting up with me for so long. (laughs) (laughs) It's been a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful time. I've learned so much off you, man. Oh, thank you, man. Queen's Park to the King's Tub. Check us (laughs) out. (laughs) I am not the king. Please, no, no, none of this king stuff. None of this king stuff. Now, where can people find out about you, Tom? What's your Instagram handle? at petal.toes there you'll find some some of the things that I when I do put things on the internet it will go on there or um, yeah there or you'll find me running you'll find a lunatic running in the bushes in Wimbledon Common and you'll see him you'll see that probably has a weird headband on you'll be like oh that's the guy I listened to on that podcast one time Brilliant. <laughs> you can find me there or Richmond Park getting lost awesome. Tom thank you very much um, everyone tuned in once again, thank you for listening to the Tub Hub. My name is Bit Beefy, or Corey Water Malcolm, and I will see you in final thoughts. That was ace, Tom. Sick. That was so much fun, man. Hello, and we are back. Thank you very much for tuning in to the last episode of the Tub Hub. And thank you very much for coming back to Final Thoughts. What did you think? What did you learn? How was it? I don't know about you, but I found it really, really interesting. I find it quite interesting that nearly all of my guests, if not all of my guests, Don't just do one thing. I also find it quite interesting that a lot of my guests, even though they do all of these things, they find it quite uncomfortable to, I guess, talk about their success or talk about their access or talk about the things that they've achieved. I also found it quite interesting that when I asked Tom about help, he, I guess, his autopilot immediately went to I guess what P was talking about in in some of our podcasts in that it's really, really easy 
to ask for help with regards to, to things at work, like moving a table or a report on another child. But when it comes down to asking for help for ourselves, like that's really, really hard. But what we find is that when we do reach out and we do ask for that help, we think to ourselves, wow, look at how easy that was. I've just wasted so long being self-conscious, thinking about how vulnerable I am out here asking for help when a lot of the time we didn't really need to. But I think the highlight for me personally was talking about running, talking about that feeling that you get when you run and everything's great. Talking about that out-of-body experience that some of you might be listening to this podcast and thinking, what on earth are these people talking about? Have they lost it? No, we haven't lost it. (laughs) We actually found it. What I also found really interesting about myself and Tom's discussion was when we spoke about education and the importance of it. But the importance of having the right education, the importance of having a varied education, the importance of your education not being skewed, the importance of having the whole picture. I mean, obviously, you can't be taught absolutely everything. However, what we can be taught is the truth. And that, more often than not, is all we're looking for. When we spoke about racism, Tom's go-to was listen. (laughs) Listen. Listen. And I think that is something that many people can learn. Listen. Listen. And listen some more. Do some reading make space but more importantly be there final thoughts